Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to episode 40 of On the Table Gaming. I'm Chase. I'm Josh. And uh, we're really excited today to have someone you may have heard of. If you're following A Song of Ice and Fire, maybe you've listened to some of the song chats, or maybe you just know him as the actual game designer, Michael Chanel. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Chase. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> it's always exciting to have you on the podcast. So I can only uh, I can only hazard what sort of uh, interesting information or uh, dire warnings importance you might be bringing. So oh, secret second drive someone <laughs> mad. So let's get into it, Chase. So we've we've seen a lot of changes. I know on your podcast recently, you've been talking about some of the uh, different design elements that you're looking at for things like the. Uh, competitive community and the scenarios that they play. Can you maybe give us a, a little bit of background on, on what's going on there and and maybe some of your thought process behind that? Well, so at the the game has been out for almost a year now. Uh, we're coming up on Gen Con in just a few weeks. And while that wasn't the official release, that was around, you know, the time or so that we were, you know, things were really picking up and, you know, amping up. We've had a lot of major tournaments since then. We've had a lot of events, you know, worldwide. You know, everything's been amping up to 11, then to 12, and now we need an entirely new metric. So I guess we're sitting in the solid five out of seven now, but we'll figure out, you know, what that is. But anyway, the point is, is that as time goes on, you know, we've been analyzing over data, seeing how the community has been receiving things, seeing how the general game state is. And, you know, we've just taken that consideration moving forward because the last thing you want is for things to just be stagnant or you know, to remain unchanged after a ton of time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely so important. And I think that's something that's interesting about this particular community in that we have a lot of board gamers and war gamers or, or basically people that are new to wargaming. I know when there was that first version 1.4 change, there was a very small percentage of people that were like, wait, what? Things are changing? Like, what does this mean? How can this game change? Where I think overwhelmingly people were like, oh man, like you changed six unit cards and it makes so much sense and it makes the game so much better. I think it's important for people to remember that like games changing and updating is like incredibly important if the game's going to be any sort of competitive game. So that's, you know, a a more modern thing that I believe that we're getting into. And this, uh, I believe we've actually talked about this before, but I actually trace this back to like World of Warcraft and the popularity of like MOBAs and uh, MMORPGs that happen online where, you know, people are used to things just changing. And, you know, it used to be, especially back in, you know, my day of war games, like something came out and, you know, it's like, well, this is just what you got. We'll yep. try again in a couple of years if you don't like it. <laughs> but as far as like the core rules and everything go, you know, I've been very happy with the game state. You know, we were working on that for tons of time before it was actually released. And, you know, there was, you know, we've got, we've, we're in version 1.4 of the rules. And so far, everything has just been minor tweaks and wording clarifications and things like that, you know, just to, you know, make the system read better because, uh, you know, language being what it is, you know, as a teacher, I'm sure you're aware of this, that, you know, you can put something into print. And then you're like, this is clearly what this says. Then the very next second, someone will go like, hey, I read this like this, and it means something <laughs> completely different. It's like, huh. I, uh, most of, no, a lot of those times you can go like, uh, no, you just, you kind of need a better grasp on what you're reading there, man. But then there's also times where it's like, oh, yeah, you can totally read it like that. And now you have something that's like, okay, we'll clarify this and, you know, change or whatever. But that's mainly for the, you know, the grammatical side of things when it comes to units and balances and things that's always a tricky thing because everything that you think 
is going to be problematic for people. Like, you know, when you're before the game is even released, you know, we had X, Y, Z. That's like, okay, we need to monitor this because, you know, we have the data to back this up, but this is what we think the players are going to, you know, have an issue with. This is what we think they're going to freak out about. And it's never what that is. <laughs> you know, I'm not going yeah. to, I'm not going to get into that because, you know, I don't want to give, you know, specific cited examples here. I'd rather people speculate because that's, you know, the internet and how fun that is. But yeah. Well, it can go the other way too, though. <laughs> I remember when you guys, when it was like way back when you guys first released the Lannister Pyromancers, I was like, what are they thinking? This unit is insane. And like, yeah, they're good, but like nobody's out there is like game is broken because of Lannister Pyromancers. Like it's a totally balanced unit that's like got tons of counterplay. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it, that's one of those things as well. It's like every time a unit is released, there's a lot of, you know, speculative and armchair generaling that goes on about like, well, you know, this is what this is going to be. And it's like, eh, you should probably try playing that a bit or, you know, see how things show up. But that's the nature of people. I mean, you can't hold that against them, except if they're like militant adamant about it. But, <laughs> you know, those people, you probably you probably don't want to deal with them anyway in most any topic. So that's just how that is. Fair enough. You know, the the whole premise of everything is that, we want everything to be playable. That is, you know, we want you to be able to take something and not feel bad for taking it. Like, yeah, I'm taking this, but I really like this character, but he's a subpar choice. You know, I'm just doing it because I really like him. Especially because we're dealing with an IP that has, you know, such a backing here and everything that, you know, you're going to have favorite characters. And if I were to get into the game and go like, oh man, Shia Errol of Haystack Hall, that's my favorite character in the books, uh, which I don't think I've ever heard that sentence escape someone's mouth. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> oh, people are gonna really like her. They're really <laughs> gonna like her. But um yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make her famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you, you wanna be able to just take those guys and like, you know, go like, yeah, okay, I have just as much a chance, you know, as someone else taking a new more popular one. And that's the thing. We can always, you know, I we kind of sidetracked there but going back to that topic there about you know people are used to changes in this you know environment and everything where again a book would be printed back in the day and that's just what it was you know you could release paper and paper and paper of like you know updates later on but that became tedious but we live in a digital age now we've got the app available we can put the cards up on the website for people to download we are looking into options for getting print options for people as well that's a bit more of a logistics and other side of things i really i can't get into not that i don't want to it just animation kind of still going on if they ever make their way into a organized play kit you know you get like your miniature and you get your updated cards i think that would be huge uh it's been discussed but again there's there's tons of variables to consider going in there and everything gotcha but we're looking for options the thing is is that like I know this is, I'm not the best example here, but for me, like, I don't even have cards out most of the time when I'm playing outside <laughs> of my tactics deck, just because I know what my stuff does. And if I need to reference something, we have an app for that. Right, right. One of the things is, is that, you know, you don't want to just like throw out updates on a whim because things are balanced for, again, when we design factions, we design entire factions. So there are key elements that, you know, will come out that can change things that you're like, okay, this might not seem the best option for you right now, but there's just one thing that's going to come out and change it. And then that's going to really uh, change the dynamic of things. But like even on the updates that we've had here, you've seen how uh, we, we started with the attachments, just messing with them because those are fairly independent of a lot of things. That again goes back to versus the early meta that we uh, we were establishing when the game came out, when we we're doing internal play testing before everything that happened versus what things shaped up to be. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like we found out, you know, after basically uh, over 12 months now of, you know, seeing data from competitive play, casual play stores and internal play test groups for things moving forward. You know, it's like, OK, these things that initially worked in the system are just they still work, but they're not favorable with players. You know, it creates that um, you know, it feels good versus feels bad moment where it's like, yeah, this is this is OK, but I wish it was just slightly better. And that's really the type of things we want to modify a bit, like, you know, Tywin Lannister, for example, the uh, DNCU Reigns of Castamere, you know, he was on the cusp there of just being like, I really like what this guy does. But if he just did a little bit more, he would be just a little bit better. Uh, a good but I mean, that makes a difference, be, uh, though, right? A little bit better because you got a lot of other competitive choices to take as commanders or NCUs. Even sometimes that's what you need just to level it out a little bit. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's just, we want everything to be taken, you know, uh, if you want to take something competitively, you should be able to take competitively. Because I'm a firm believer that if you balance things around competitive play, it trickles down to casual play. That's, you know, that's the, that's my logic I've seen, you know, in other games do system. You can either go with full swing where it's like everything's just like fluff and, you know, we just throw balance out the window. I, I can't do that. I come from too much of a competitive game background from tons of games for the past like 20 years or so. But I do fully believe that if you have a game that's balanced around competitive so that everything is viable everything is you know a, an option then it trickles down because it it works you know that's just how it works you know you can't make something that's hugely just like fluffy and imbalanced as hell and then say okay now we're doing competitive that doesn't work but the opposite way you can right and then i think it's it's cool then because if you're playing in a local scene and you've got a bunch of casual players and some competitive players if the competitive players are beating you, it's because they're they're using the system in a way that, and they're maybe maneuvering on the battlefield. And it's not just because they have like six of the best thing or they're just like, you know, in, they've won in like list building, essentially. Right. And that's always something to avoid is a win in list building. That's something that, you know, doesn't even literally go back to like the CCG days or anything of, you know, when I was playing Magic the Gathering, World of Warcraft versus system. That was, you know, prominent in some of those systems where it's like, okay, well, they're playing this deck. That's just going to hard counter mine. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. And in miniature games, you don't want to have that because you're spending a big investment to, you know, paint your stuff, you know, simple. And you're investing just what you're playing here as well. Not to say I didn't get invested in some of my magic decks, but I'm way more invested, you know, like my miniature stuff than I ever was in ACCGs. Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, think about Josh, even how much time we've spent painting miniatures, like before you actually even get them on the table. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like having like this like pet you know, unit that you're like super psyched to like get out there and then it just like you're like, well, it <laughs> clearly sucks. Like that, uh, I mean, the old X-Wing days, I remember like buying like the Star Viper and wanting it to be so good for so long. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, this thing's just blows. <laughs> it's, it's just too expensive to run competitively. I remember back my 40K days and everything where it's like, I am playing, you know, Emperor's Children in the 4.0 Chaos book. So essentially nothing. Or I'm playing Sisters <laughs> of Battle at any point in their history. Right. Yeah, I don't think 40K was necessarily known for its uh, strong balance mechanics uh, between units. That was more <laughs> just kind of craziness. Yeah, but I mean, you still you still wanted it. I mean, you still wanted it to be there. Like, I, I really want this to be competitive. I really want to be able to just, you know, win. But I'm playing in space yeah. now, so that's just out the option. Well, so here's a quick, actually, now that you brought up X-Wing, um, Josh, I don't know uh, if you can speak to this, but I think when you said version 1.4, I think everyone loved those changes. Most people all on board. But there was that small subsect, and they were... People that were sort of not necessarily fear mongering, but they're like, well, listen, like in fantasy flight games, X-Wing, they went from version 1.0 to 2.0, and then you had to buy $50 per faction if you wanted to keep playing. Is that what's happening at, at in this gaming system? Like, is the Song of Ice and Fire going to that? Are they going to make all your stuff no longer worth it? And it's just like, whoa, you've never, there was never any hinting or saying of that. We don't know where these numbers go. Do you foresee a situation where people are going to have to buy special new sets to 
to upgrade all their units. Man, that would be a that would be a <laughs> terrible thing that we have done by releasing all the information free on the app and the website. If we then turn exactly and, uh, right. somehow like yeah, we're gonna take all that down and charge you for it. I know like, that's, that's like it, it. It's it's like one dude out there on the internet, but man, like sometimes one dude can put out a lot of content, and it's just like, yeah, no one's saying that. All right. I mean, as long as you've got your miniatures, I mean, the ultimate stats and everything. I mean, right. I think that's more of the modern miniature governance of a game is looking at like you know using apps to be dynamic. Because like if you're a video game, you can release patches all the time. Right. And, you know, you know, kind of tweak things here, try it out, see how it goes, tweak it again. And there's the same thing with like a lot of other game systems people come from. They like try to take those rules and those interpretations and apply it to this game. And it's like this is its self-contained game. Like you can read its rules and it has its logic and its information builds on itself. I don't have but to buy a anyhow. new Star, a new Stark Codex every uh, every iteration. Right, exactly. That's one of the nice things. So anyhow, just wanted to throw it out there. Now we are getting to um to look at having a uh a actually like timetable and like systematic you know release for when we do updates and what they are. So we're at one point four, and one of the things internally that we were looking at was the 1.5 update because that's a nice kind of round number in the most non-round number way you can with a five <laughs> but we were looking at rolling that out um more than likely around january okay uh, i don't have any firm dates for that but we're definitely looking at end of the year you know start of the year around there but one of the things that we did with that was we said okay if we were just going to do anything crazy this is the time to test that <laughs> That caused a lot of panic internally because I can kind of be a harbinger of chaos sometimes. And when I said that, I was like, and these are some crazy ideas I have, which, of course, some of our dev staff, which you may or may not have talked to, um, <laughs> immediately just like kind of panicked over. But we had a nice civil conversation after some calming down to, you know, look at this. I'm not talking any major revamps or anything. This is, again, just looking at up until this point, core game stuff has been mainly untouched just clarifications and then some minor tweaking here and there to go in line with things like the biggest change was the whole voluntary and involuntary trigger removal and right. that, frankly i've said this before that was really kind of meant to be limited to uh orders and tactics cards and not much else but there were some uh, there were some things that happened i'm kerfluffle that's a stupid word but i'm going to use it because <laughs> it's a stupid situation uh, <laughs> that uh kind of led to like that and then it's like okay well this is the wording that was chosen and now we got to work around this and that was technically the biggest change but the thing is that just kind of reverted things to how it was intentionally supposed to go and 90 percent of interactions weren't affected by that and that last like 10 percent of weird ones were just you know called out so mm -hmm. that was it but in 1.5 we were like let's try anything crazy we have because the thing is we have to be careful about that because as i've said you know many times in the past and then been misquoted uh even more so in the past you know we have designed tons of content for this game you know we had uh when we initially did the overall design scope of the game we had nine factions platted uh, planned and charted out at that time noting that was nearly three if not longer years ago and at no point have i ever said we only have nine factions or we will have nine factions or anything to that nature which the internet loves to quote as saying it's just that at the time we had design laid out nine factions. So you guys can speculate on what those are, but I will say that House Iron is not one of them just to crush those streams immediately. Oh. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh my. Um, Let's pause. There's going to be somebody to get, get some tissues or crying somewhere. Oh, no. oh yeah, yeah. Please isolate, <laughs> isolate that quote 
And then let me add that again, that was three years ago and oh, things okay. are subject Fair to enough. change. Fair enough. So, you know, yeah, you know, though they went to being a full-fledged faction to the best faction, then we just remove them all again. You know, sometimes we do that, just, you know, make dreams and then crush them. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> You know, That's again, a sad point. We, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was too real, man. We gotta. Oh. Again, we can we can do anything, but we have plans. But I like that when people you know speculate as to what they are and then believe those things to be reality. I'm just waiting you know, for the post. They're gonna be like confirmed way more than nine factions. We're guessing maybe he might be meaning eighteen. Is that true? Is that? Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. You're gonna you know. misinterpret what you're. <laughs> oh yeah, well, you know the Golden Company is obviously gonna be its own faction because they have like 16 different types of war elephants. I still want to see those elephants, but I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> they're they're not so hot right now. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> not. But I so think you know, I think thought... they're actually extremely hot right now. Oh jeez. Hey oh. But back to what I was saying there about you know balancing and things out like that. You know that's something that we are in testing for us because some of these changes will look rather radical to people. And of course, because change is scary. Change is the scariest thing in the world. But we will be like, you know, the not things to be taken lightly because we have to take the existing content that's out, the stuff that is coming out in the immediate future, and then the stuff that's coming out in the far future. So, you know, any type of like changes we make, there's always ripple effects. So everything has to take in consideration. So, you know, nothing we ever do is spur gut changes. And when we were actually talking about 1.5 changes, this is actually a conversation that we started having quite a while back when we started seeing, you know, how the meta was shaping up for competitive play and how tournaments were shaping up, how, you know, the factions were end up, you know, being received by the community and everything. These are all things that have been in the works for quite a while. It's just a matter of like, okay, well, when do we want to look at potentially doing these? When do we want to look at potentially rolling this out? And again, 1.5 just felt like a good time to do that. And again, um, looking at toward the end of the year and January seemed good because at that point the game will have been out for 18 months. We have a ton of, you know, community and tournament data and just to see how things have shaped up and, you know, we were really confident in these things, but that's kind of the far future because I mean, we're sitting here in July and we're talking five, six months from now. I mean, the meteor could strike earth by then, Spoilers, <laughs> by the way, that was, that was 2012. I thought we, we, well, we okay, that, right? but, you know, Sure, sure. I'll just let you keep <laughs> believing that. You'll you'll be happier. Just to clarify something, okay? When you say you're gonna try something out with 1.5, or you are trying something out with 1.5, you mean not that in January you're gonna toss some ideas out to the public and they're gonna, you know, the first time it's being tested. It sounds like what you're saying is that all this time you are testing these ideas, and then 1.5 would be the potential release date, right? That would be your public release. Now, okay. every one of these like changes, radical or not has been tested for uh, quite a long time yeah. here. Um, quite a long time. And, you know, there are some ideas that, like, seemed really cool that we tried out, and they didn't work at all. And there's some that's like, oh, you know, this is really, really nice. And they're going to infuriate some players, I'm sure, until they just uh, get over it. Because, you know, everything <laughs> we do is for the the greater state of the game, you know, to make the system better. I want to stress any of these changes that we do, because some of them are, I think, if they end up making live, are going to be viewed as radical. <laughs> Sorry. It just, <laughs> it just evil chuckle. Yeah, it just, it just makes me laugh as well, because I like everything. People, you know, some people are going to go, you know, like, oh my god, this changes things so much, and now my army's crap, or my army's way overpowered, but, well, weirdly enough, the overpowered guys probably aren't going to complain. Uh, 
I think they'll be okay. They're gonna compl- you're right. They're gonna... I'm just waiting for the simul post about X army is now overpowered, and then immediately it's also underpowered. One of my favorite screenshots that I've gathered is I like gathering screenshots from the various like you know forums and posts there about when the game came out of Lannister and Starks, which one was overpowered and underpowered. And I have several screen grabs of topics uh, literally touching each other on the same page of going, Starks are overpowered, I can't win. And then Lannisters are overpowered, I can't win. Yeah. And that's how you know you've you know achieved perfect balance. I think the secret is whoever gets their post out first online, then everyone just believes that. Somebody said it. It must be true. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the age we live in. <laughs> But that's again far future stuff. More immediate, we can we can kind of circle back to what we were talking about earlier with the uh, scenarios slash game modes and all that because that is um, we don't know when we're going to be rolling out the new versions of those like the the one point four updates for them. But we did have some changes to like the tournament guidelines and documents and how they function. We might save those for rolling out. Um, with one point five as well, but they're kind of independent. Although some of the some of those changes synergize really well with the potential 1.5 changes you might see. So we're still testing that internally to see like if we can release these by themselves, if it's going to cause any like weirdness for the next little bit of time, uh, or if you want to save it for you know the just the bigger update. So far, it really hasn't seemed like anything because when we're updating the game modes and the tournament document, there's nothing like uh, you know ground shaking there. Uh, a couple exceptions, actually. Uh, <laughs> there's always a couple exceptions, but you know we're we're looking at the timing window for that. Yeah, and I think so. Down the line, do you do you predict that there might be like specific times of year that you might roll out updates? Or I know right now, um, people like uh, Carl, the Peacekeeper, Kirsten are trying to develop like tournament circuits, and uh, I don't know what their dates are. Uh, but I could see maybe there being like an end of year tournaments that wrap up by like January and then like the new rules would, uh, you know, version 1.5 might come out and then that's fine in the next season or whatever. Uh, if someone was, you know, trying to plan a, a series of tournaments or something, it might be helpful if they, and I don't know how much of a heads up, I guess you're giving a heads up now about like when potentially changes might come, but if there were like certain dates in advance that they could plan around. So if you have a tournament on that day or something, you know, like what version of rules you're going with. Well, so that was that's actually a very good uh, topic to bring up because that was something I did want to mention and I completely forgot about. So good on that. Is <laughs> <Good job> Chase. <laughs> Woo! Oh, you make the big bucks. <laughs> is actually getting you know a schedule of updates about when you can expect to see, you know, any updates and things like that come out because uh, over the last year, you know, we've gone from one point one to one point four. And it's kind of been a little sporadic as to when that came out. But that was mainly because, again, there wasn't any major big changes there. The biggest one was Young in 1.4, which we announced at Simon uh, Expo. And mm-hmm. made those live as a bit of a surprise. But uh, with things like that, we're definitely going to get a schedule going where probably we're looking at every, you know, you'll see your updates every six months. Okay. Um, ideally, actually, it would be a year, but we're just going to play it and see how it goes. Yep. Um, because here's the thing. So when we do these updates, like the first round of updates are going to focus on obviously the first four factions release, the Night's Watch, Free Folk, Lannisters, um, and Starks, along with the neutrals in there as well, all dainty four of their little units that they have. And then that's it, because the thing is, you don't want to be in a situation where you're constantly changing stuff. That's actually right. the opposite end of the spectrum that you I would hate to ever see, 
is like, okay, well, we're just going to, you know, keep messing with stuff every couple months here and hopefully we'll get it right. Like, right. Ideally, you know, when we do these, these full faction updates, and what I mean when I say full faction updates is we review everything that exists in the current faction and see like, okay, what here actually needs addressing or looking at? Um, then we will you know, do our round of changes if there's anything, and that's it. You're done. You're ready. Because that's ideally what you take, you know? Because in an ideal world, you wouldn't have to do any of these to begin with, period. Right. But that's not a world that any game ever lives in. You know, you're always going to have something that could just be slightly different, slightly better, you know, whatever, how it is. And, you know, that that's what you want to address. But you shouldn't be in a situation where you're constantly having to mess with stuff after release because that just shows, uh, frankly, to be honest, like sloppy design and development. But I think it's nice to have the safety net knowing that if there is something that comes out that there was some sort of weird interaction someone finds or does, that it doesn't like, it's not like, well, that's just the game now. Like, <laughs> Well, that's mainly an issue for like Errata and FAQs on the, right. when it comes to the weird interactions. But, you know, you want to have everything viable. And if we, for like whatever reason, like a unit makes it out there, they're like, everyone's just, well, I will also stress this as well. Community opinion and player base opinion, while it does matter, only carries so far in the face of actual like raw data. Like, right. for example, some people around here may or may not like Warrior Sons. <laughs> 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 uh, to be fair yeah, i have but, not know, played they, i have not played with them yet so oh, my opinion is colored yeah. entirely by uh that, but that's nonsense. what i mean like but you're holding off because you feel like it's not you know something that works for you but in actuality right we had uh what's it justin right he won that tournament was it i don't want to say he's in the wrong place like australia or something uh he's making it work right everything's upside down in australia so that's probably probably how that happened <laughs> but um so in regards to those updates and whatnot you know before we limited it to uh ncu oh so varus was the first one we rolled out as a test and that was you know just to see how people responded to that and responded positively and then we looked at doing some attachments there to see you know how they would go and you know this is all kind of a trickle process so you know you can see that you know this has been in the works for a while we've just been slowly you know piece by piece putting out there seeing how the yeah. community wants to react to it and seeing how things and overwhelmingly it has been positive because frankly people would much rather play with the stuff they like rather than feel bad about it i think and, you would have gotten a bigger uh more positive push out on the uh, update for 1.4 if it wasn't buried under the oh my gosh the baratheon targaryens amazing spoiler like review thing because uh, I think those changes were really good. Like, uh, there yeah. are characters that you updated that I had, like, maybe played once and then been like, nope. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's actually, like, a viable thing to take. And I maybe don't always use them because they're not going to be in the list I want to run, but I could, and it wouldn't be at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And that's always in the nature of these things. We would rather buff something that is underperforming. Uh, luckily, we haven't found anything that is like oh my god this is ridiculously overpowered and just constantly showing up and you know this needs addressing there are a couple units that are on the strong end of the spectrum that we are taking more in-depth looks at and i don't really want to get too much into that but there are some things that are looking to be addressed in that situation but mainly it's just you know okay let's give some small quality of life buffs to these things to some existing things just to make them feel a little bit better 
you know, like you saw in the um, the attachments, a lot of those were like they didn't really like none of them drastically changed from what they did. Uh, they just got slightly better at what they already did. The exception right. being the hound, but I yeah, I was like, just gonna say him. <laughs> yeah, frankly, that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, but you know, it's mainly things like that, you know, and that's what we're taking a look at and looking at there. Perfect. So so. Yeah, I guess any any uh any hints at what might be on the the table for 1.5 or is that a kind of a closely guarded secret? That's kind of closely guarded because you never the thing is I already know that by talking about this people are this is going to open the floodgates of um, people's <laughs> opinions of going, you know, oh this needs to be changed, this has to be changed and this is destroying the game and this is making the game terrible and warrior sons are awful and warrior sons are <laughs> overpowered please do not warrior son. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I will actually I'll cite a real example here. Um, it's like Flayed Men, I think, have probably been the most controversial unit in the game's uh, limited history of it being out of players going, this is overpowered, this is underpowered, this is, you know, you spam these and you win, or you spam these and you lose. You know, every single opinion under the sun has been said about them. And I will say, like, personally, I don't like running Flademen, and I know I really shouldn't say something like that, but I don't. I have a, I have a mentality. I have a really hard time justifying ten points. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, they're a great unit, but they are also, you know, ten points. That could be like a quarter of your army if you take one unit of them. Yeah, yeah no, nothing no, better than tying them up and then making them have to do like a retreat action to get out and get somewhere else. And it's like you just wasted a lot of power. So they're one of those units that, if you don't know how to deal with then they're a problem. But right. the second you know how to deal with them, they become they become less so. And actually, I will mention this. That right there is I again, this is my personal thing, so I I don't build games for myself. You know, you've got to have different, you know, uh, play styles and different mentalities for people, you know. I can't just make everything like, oh, this is how I would do it, so this is how every unit's going to be. But I personally don't really care for units like that in game where the player that is owning them doesn't really have to think a lot about them and it's reliance right. on your opponent knowing what to do against them. Right. That mm-hmm. is something that that is actually my problem with Flayedman. Not saying that they would get changed or modified in any way, but that's personally how I feel about units like that. Is I would rather the player have to make skilled tactical decisions about how to use them. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist with Flayedman. Um no, but I think I think that's a great point, though, because I, I think a lot of the units when people first start playing the game that they think are overpower are the units that might have like a lower burden of execution, right? For them to perform well, you have to do less than your opponent. Like if you compare them to the Bastards Girls, and I feel like that's another unit that people either think is like so amazing or like not good at all. If you play them poorly, that unit sucks. <laughs> like I mean, you can say about anything, but it's like. To get the potential, you actually have to have some skill and maneuver them and make the smart decisions. Uh, it can't be just like, you charge me, I pass a panic test, and now I do damage back to you. Like That's a lower skill unit than the Bastards Girls. And the Flademan, I think, fall into that category where it's like, you can still get a lot of potential out of them, but I think the base level right, is like a little bit lower. You can be able to make some mistakes, and you, know, you do get your points tied up, but it might be a little bit more forgiving to, especially like a newer player. Well, with that two plus armor save, I mean, you're not really like if you if you do make a mistake and overextend, it's they're not like totally screwed. Yeah, I believe that those uh, comparing both those units is actually like the the best like kind of mentality comparison I can 
give there is that you know bastards girls are one of my favorite units and have a very high skill cap as far as using correctly um and flayedmen a little less so because they are they have more forgiving elements about them and i think maybe for newer players that's just what it is when you just look at it and you're like well gee like i you know don't have a lot of tactics on the battlefield that i can i can do myself like i don't have the skill yet what do i do about it i'm just like running into the front of it and trying to hit it or letting it run into me and hit me like well, yeah, that, that that's that's definitely the biggest thing when you're first starting out is like trying to get better about not always just charging directly into the front of your opponent and just like I think I think because that's like the basic <laughs> level like when you're first getting into like the, the you know war game is just like I'm gonna run my guys into your guys and I hope my guys are better and roll better and then I will win, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so flaymen are great at that because they're going to be generally better than most of the units that they're you know playing against, uh, and that's why they're ten points. That's so many points, though. <laughs> I mean, it can become a liability pretty quickly if you don't get that. If you don't get ten points out of them. So, any changes to scenarios that maybe disincentivize or make you have to use different tactics with a unit like that, so that on Clash of Kings it isn't like I maneuver, I charge them up, and uh, or I maneuver and move out onto that middle point, and I'm getting two points at the start of every you know second turn on, and you can't get them off like. Well, so that's actually comes into play of one of the um, probably the biggest change to scenarios would be the ability to contest objectives, which I mentioned on my uh, my podcast a week, two weeks ago. I know time is kind of fluid. And we'll throw a link to that in the show notes if people haven't. And if you're not listening to song chat, guys, like you're getting it. You know, why talk to the saints when you can talk to God here? You might as well <laughs> you make sure you're listening there as well. So, yeah, you can rule them like gods. <laughs> gods. Uh, uh, which is funny because uh, that's another one of those things that like I mentioned on there and then immediately the speculation floodgates just flooded open and the doomsday preppers just came out of the woodwork about, oh my God, this is going to ruin so many things. It's like, dude, you, I literally said that you could contest objectives in some fashion and you have made a way, way more, uh, more assumptions about this than have any right to to think about how this works and immediately say it's bad um <laughs> i mean that's like, the nature of the internet though right <laughs> yeah i mean i uh, if i said i was surprised at this point then it means i've i've taken some trauma <laughs> to the head and forgotten how uh every day works the the internet itself is trauma enough i'm sure <laughs> yep which um so you know on the topic of basically one of the things that comes up with uh the game modes right now is when a unit gets onto an objective it's you know you're you're pretty much that unit is there and it's going to just score points the objective until you get it killed right and so that's that's fine as it is but there i would really like to see some like counterplay there other than just kill the unit or you know um get off the objective or you know or something or get to a different objective which you see some of that with you know some of the newer game modes like dance of dragons and um fire and blood right um, and that and that works really well, but I, I think you know what happens though is when you get on the you get a unit that gets on an objective, so then it's either going to want to be really fast to get there first, it's going to want to be really tough, and you know when they get there they're already on it. So then as an opponent playing against that, you're the solution is I need stuff that can do can roll more dice that can do more hits, and it just becomes only about trying to take like the most killy thing to 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 wipe your unit down, and and it sort of starts to limit your your choices when you're building your list because you realize you know what if i'm not the fastest like i need to, be able to do a ton of damage right so i will say this this is i really wish i could be less cryptic about this okay. because 
I'm trying to give you the best information I can without sure. doing any like major stuff. But going back to our talking about 1.5, one of the effects of some of the things we're testing out is that things in general in the game do not die as necessarily as quickly as they previously did. Okay. That's going to be a weird statement that's going to lead to a bunch of speculation. I'm just going to call that now. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little but bit. But as a result, fighting over objectives becomes much more of a dynamic thing, which is absolutely something that we have loved seeing in all of our tests and games that we've played and everything. Um, it creates this more dynamic back and forth. And specifically contesting objectives like for example in the game modes here it's not necessarily about like oh wrangling it back and forth like tug of war it's about tactically denying your opponent the points that they would be getting right so that in itself is also leading to games not ending necessarily as fast and i want to specify this as well we're not talking about the game overall playtime going up just the amount of rounds that the games are taking going up by an average of about like one if they're not staying the same or so um, but we've seen like games that like actually come down to rounds five or six, where on average before they were ending around four. Right, and I think that so then you're actually playing the game the whole time. Right, and you know that was again one of those things we monitor is like, okay, is this affecting the actual playtime? And like, no, not really. I mean, in some cases, yes, it's upping it by a by a small amount, but nothing like substantial. Like you know, the average tournament game here is ninety minutes you know looking at game modes and everything here that's what we've been playing to our same standard and we haven't had to modify anything you're right. just getting more game in and around the same amount of time hmm. but as far as the contesting goes like again that's like i don't want to get into that too much to um yeah talk about how that works but uh it does lead to a greater uh thing of unit diversity as well that's another thing so um, unit types begin to slightly matter a bit more as to far as what they are, which, oh man, that that's going to be another speculative statement as to how people are going to assume goes. Yeah, I'm just going to throw <laughs> out a bunch of red herrings as well. Oh, great. So, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, in post about 75% of what I just said may or may not be true, and it's probably leaning toward the not true. So, you know, we'll let the internet just fight amongst themselves for that, and we'll watch from, we'll watch from above and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know what, here, let's actually talk about one of the changes to one of the game modes here and i will actually go over the full thing with you guys so perfect we'll have some fun there nice. shall we uh, let's talk yeah. about game of thrones okay so classic uh, game mode right that's like lots of people start the game with. that might be one of their first games they play and it's got you know the the namesake of the most familiar name i think a lot of people that came into a song of ice and fire maybe have also heard of the hbo show which is a separate property but you know the Maybe first book and the <laughs> game of thrones they see that they flip the scenarios and like i want to i want to do this game mode so they're jumping in. I believe right. that one's played the most because it literally is the first one that appears in the book. That that yeah. too. <laughs> it's definitely the first one we played because um, I, I remember thinking that it was just kind of like, okay, well, this feels pretty like, you know, like, like sort of like the standard mode. Of like, yeah, you know, I, I remember that game. And, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because like we, uh, we see people all the time that are like, oh, yeah, that's the only mode we've ever played. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> that's weird. Uh, I remember my... so. Go ahead. Well, it's more fun when the people that are that will complain about like balance and things like that, they come out and they're like, Yeah, we played ten games of Game of Thrones with the same army list both times and I can't win. What am I doing? Or why is this game broken? And it's just yeah. <laughs> 
Which grants you should be able to do, but that's also, you know, a, a strategy and tactics thing. Like if you're slamming your head against the wall over and over again and it's not working, maybe try a different part of your body or, you know, yeah. don't hit the wall. But man, uh, I remember those first games on Game of Thrones, though. It was so much fun. We, we you know, actually, it's been almost a year. We opened up the box and we got our first game in. And like each game we played, we were like, what? How about yours do what? That's so overpowered. <laughs> and we're like, Stark Bowman, they can shift. And they're like, now you don't want to actually shift with them. We're like, that's so overpowered. And oh, those those the old the old days of innocence and youth when we every unit we got was just like, what is this is amazing. I can't believe. Although I still feel like that when new stuff comes out for free folks. So I can't really complain. No. <laughs> it's like, dude, we got the the followers of bones, they're shipping. I'm so excited. Anyhow, oh, yeah. I digress. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. We're, we'll, we'll talk about followers in a second here. Because I actually have some stories about that. But anyway, so Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, funny enough, thinking about this, this is actually going to be like the least interesting, you know, uh, one that got modified or changed in any way. Because <laughs> I was like, what did we change in this one? Like, oh, yeah, we did that. Like, oh, that's not very exciting. But <laughs> um. The only modification that we've been trying on that, and of course I will have to, you know, preface this with everything is subject to change before final right. release, blah, 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 you know, as we develop it. But frankly, this one I'm fairly confident on because it was such a minor thing, is um that the so you have your five objectives, you won the center. The only modification we did for this one was that the center objective is always going to be the worth two victory points and then suffer a panic test one. Oh, okay. That's basically like the king of the hill crown. Like this yeah. is the primary objective here to go after if you want extra points. And then awesome. the rest, the other four, the randomized ones. Makes so much more sense because that was the one thing that like, you know, Chase and I, we we actually a lot of times ended up pulling out the 2.1 just because if it did end up being on your side of the board, it really was a pretty big advantage. So putting it right in the middle. So now you have to really fight over it and earn it makes makes a lot of sense. Well, it's funny with the contestion uh changes we did that became less of an issue about like where it actually wound up but it just putting that in the center makes it feel more of like a kind of king of the hill style scenario and go figure game of thrones it just it felt it felt better you know it's one of those things like it's just it's a minor change but it makes things just feel that much better when you do it well it's funny because there's like there is a weird contingency of, of like of people that are into like the defensive don't play style of gaming i don't know like where it's like every scenario it's like can i play this scenario by just like hanging back as much as possible and not like fighting when it's like you know like can i play this scenario by like not playing the game and i feel like that's just going to draw more combat and you can't just like try and place the objectives or get like the three closest objectives and just sit there and not move so i, I think the ideas for counterplay in this would be nice yeah doesn't yeah. seem super fun to me <laughs> yeah no but I, there's people that for some reason they're like i want to do six rounds of you know you know just sit in the corner with shield wall and whatever i guess if you're going for like hardcore like i'm really trying to win if there's like a scenario where that's going to be advantageous to you maybe but i i mean is it ever advantageous to do absolutely nothing i don't i don't know (laughs) statistically no but (laughs) you know when when is math and statistics uh that actually rings into talking about some of the changes to the the tournament guidelines which also affect i guess um game mode setup and things like that as well uh since again, that was the riveting change to talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, one of the there's been a couple changes to the tournament guidelines that we have um, that we did, which really these were just kind of quality of life ones. Uh, the most prominent one was one that never actually came up, but still worth mentioning. 
was basically before a game begins, you can see your opponent's list before you pick yours, whereas previously it was just you knew what faction they were. And yep. that was just one of those like, well, in theory, I get why this, why you know why we put this out there but in a in practicality in a tournament setting you're gonna know what someone's playing after a while anyway just because you're in yeah. them right dude I, plus yeah. you can see their miniatures right, right. <laughs> like okay i know but like, i remember that even the screen i remember that even back at pax unplugged we were playing in the tournament and uh you know it was, it was going great and then someone's like you know i got a little bit of break and someone's like yeah like i've already circled and i've seen everybody's stuff and I was like, I, I didn't do that. Like, do I need to do that? Like, oh my God. And I'm like, do I need to like walk around and like, you know, should I be? And I'm like, suddenly I'm like sort of this panic, like, oh, did I miss a, is like everybody trying to like scout everybody out, but I didn't like budget time to do that as part of my strategy. Uh, and I think it just makes sense just to be like, no, like here's what it is. Like, that's not the game you're playing. Like who can scout or brought like an extra person to find stuff out for you. It's like, you're playing a game on a table. <laughs> Well, you know it's funny. Uh, I've I've seen that exist in miniature games forever. Mm -hmm. Like people going like, "Oh, I'm gonna scout another army," but like that doesn't really benefit you too much to do that, especially no. like <laughs> you know some other game systems where you know it's just like you only have a single list. Right. But that to me was actually a thing back in like the CCG days where people oh. would do that. But then you're playing with a sixty card deck with a ton more variables right. that that actually can matter. Um. Like uh, so, my history is I did used to do tournament judging and everything for upper deck, and that was actually a thing that you would see. It wasn't against the rules, but that was still you would see teams doing that just to scout because you might have like you know an ace like clutch one or two cards out of your sixty that are modifying things, and right. that actually might matter. But in miniature games, it's just it's not one of those things. Yeah, I think it just induced more panic in me than anything. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a psychological thing. Um. So there was that one. And then we're also introducing the... Um, this is actually just for general play as well, the ability to randomly generate terrain, uh, which we've been playing with extensively, and it's been a lot of fun because... Um, instead, so again, two methods for this. is One, you can you know just go and pick your terrain as part of your list creation. Then, you know, that's the standard way you do things now. So if you're playing a panic-heavy list, you might want to throw down some corpse piles or, you know, counterplay that with some weird wood trees or whatnot. But another method is just you can do random terrain generation. And that was just a matter of just putting in a little uh, chart at the start of the game modes document. So you'll randomly roll to see um, how many pieces of terrain you'll play. It's going to be a D3 plus 2, so you can have between 3 and 5. And then you'll have a chart that you can roll 2D6 and see exactly what um, pieces will come out. And we've been playing with that because it, it's been a lot of fun because, you know, you you have your diversity that comes out. Like, oh, we're going to play if this game is going to have two hedges, a stake, and a weirwood tree. Right. Neat. And now we're going to place those out and see how that goes. I think that's great. So sometimes it, it sometimes it can be, you know, like not only what scenery affects the shape of the battlefield, but, you know, knowing you're playing against or with certain factions, people sometimes can lean towards having things that will affect morale. And so you'll be like, oh, the last three games I played, it was like, Two weirwood trees, two bog, uh, two uh, corpse piles, and to get some like more diversity there, that can be great. Well, so again, that was an intentional choice made for you know rewarding you for knowing who you're playing against and what army you're playing. And it's just, right. it's two different styles depending on just how you yeah. want to do it. You can absolutely just pick your terrain and like, okay, we have chosen our battlefield here, so we know what's advantageous, we know what's disadvantageous for your yeah. opponents, and how we're gonna build around that. Or we can just go like this is our terrain pool that we have and whatever comes up now we're going to place this and see how it affects things. Uh, this is also another minor thing too, by the way, which is actually how the tournament document functions is that objectives will be placed out before terrain, which is mm -hmm. actually how it works in all the scenarios, except for 
two of them and that's a technically a little bit of an oversight there but anyway so it's like so game of thrones uh you're gonna put out your five objectives you roll up your terrain and then you play them out accordingly there so you can um yeah, you, know, you play sense. there like okay this is gonna be the center objective here all right i'm just gonna put some stakes on top of this one here so you, know, if you really <laughs> want it you know well now it's bad for us so you know that type of thing and that yeah and so for um like if you're an event organizer then, right? And you're running a tournament. Um, so then your options are have players put down their two pieces, you know, in that sort of typical fashion each. Uh, you could have them randomly generate it. Any other ideas for tournament uh, organizers, like an event organizer for terrain? Well, so there's always the the set precedence for tournament organizers to set the terrain themselves as well, which we're actually just refocusing on in the tournament document there just because I think a lot of people overlook that. Yeah. And then that's just the third option, uh, where if the tournament organizer wants to set up the train, preset it up on tables there, you know, between each round, that's fine, because that also does speed up the actual gameplay that's happening. Right. Uh, yeah. So players aren't setting up versus, that does add to the pre-round setup. But again, it's just more options for how people want to run events. And all three of those options are viable. So but that's something we're going to highlight a little bit more just to bring to more attention of like, hey, remember that you can do this as a tournament organizer. That makes sense. I like the idea. I like the idea of an organizer being able to set up their own battlefields ahead of time, and then you just kind of have to figure it out on the fly. I think that that adds another layer of strategy. Where I mean, if you're setting up your own terrain, you have things that you you know that you probably want to do. Like Chase was talking about putting weirwood trees nearby, but having to like figure out a, a battlefield, you know, that you're not getting to choose where everything goes. Uh, that seems pretty interesting. And then what about uh, points and like scoring? So. Uh, how units, uh, you know, how tournament points are kind of put together. Oh, right. I did talk about that um, previously as well. That is, like, honestly, it's such a, I want to say it's a minor thing, although it is not really a minor thing. It's a, It comes down to the secondary tiebreakers. So, you know, you still have your tournament points for winning. You know, it's still the strength of, uh, you know, your win-loss ratio. But we're modifying the um, the tiebreaker system just a little bit to... Um, basically clean it up just a touch the thing is i've found is that um it really didn't that was one of those systems that like again it didn't really need any modification this is one of those quality of life things that we're working on to make it a little bit more free flowing because your secondary uh, your secondary tiebreakers usually came down to being pretty hard scores mm -hmm. um which you know okay they're secondary so they only came up so much because the way the tournament format is structured um, it should be rare that by the end of event you have multiple people with a solid win-loss record, but it can happen. But this just leads to a little bit more fluidity in the secondary scoring. So it's not necessarily, it's still, of course, you know, based on who performed the best, but it's not necessarily if you don't max out your secondaries, then you're also out of the running. That didn't happen that often anyway, but this is just uh, one of those minor quality of life things that, frankly, 85% of the time is never going to come into play. But the last 15% can be, you know, it, it's just fixing or readdressing that. Right. And so that was introducing as well, like the uh, crushing victory. It's like five plus victory points over your opponent's total. You get four secondary points. Standard it's, victory. Yes, yeah, however that math came out, because um, that's still... You know, being worked on and tweaked there. Well, actually, it's, that's still just a, a more gradient scale there. Um, well, that seems. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of awesome quality of life things that you're putting into the game. Like, 
I, I appreciate that, you know, we have a system in a lot of ways that just works fine, but you're like, hey, how can we make this even more like streamlined or friendly for people trying to run an event or even play in a tournament? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the overall thing. We have a solid game system here. We don't want to go and reinvent the wheel here on any of this stuff. It's just a matter of making things slightly better than it was before and just making it to a point where it's like we're really like solid and happy of things. And, you know, that that's the whole point is that we don't want to make any giant sweeping, oh my God, changes. Um, well, of course, that was the entire topic of today. <laughs> right, but, but you're talking about like making big changes, but it's like a big change to us, but it's a change that you've been like working on for like in small changes over months. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And of course, that's <laughs> that's the big thing. Well, months. Oh, geez. It hasn't even been that short a period of time. It's been, yeah, months. Let's put it lightly at months. <laughs> um, but been one of those things of like, the some of these things are going to cause shakeups. I already know that, but they are overall for the better health of the game. And yeah, people aren't going to see that initially because you know that's just how it is. But it's you know that's something we're addressing. And again, also with the unit updates and things like that, that's what we're excited about getting a schedule for that going. You know, to go like okay, again, ideally, once we make this a round of like edits, anything that we want to do, those changes are done and those guys are ready to go. Because again, you don't want this big, like, oh, we're constantly having to tweak this and change this to try to get it right. Because there's nothing there's nothing like that in the game. Like, there's nothing out there that's like, we blacked out and all of a sudden we came out with a, you know, a unit that's unkillable <laughs> or insanely unplayable or something. There's just a few things that are basically in the worst case scenario in my mind. A unit is like 90% where it should be. It's just mm -hmm. that last 10%, if we could just modify it slightly there to get it to like just that, that little extra push, you know, or in some very rare cases, take it down maybe 10%. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, by the way, the com comparatively, the amount of things that we would want to increase the power level of uh, versus decrease is completely like lopsided, one staggering, uh, staggering and one sided uh, there. Okay. Um, hmm. Like, I think there's all of maybe two units in the entirety of the game that were like, maybe these guys need to be reined in slightly. Like, mm -hmm. but it's that it's so slight that we're almost like it's almost not worth doing because that's how little it actually will impact things in the long run. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, because the thing is, if something's ever a little too strong, no one's ever going to complain about it. Well, sorry, if you're playing against it, you're going to complain about it, but it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be so like, oh my God you know, I can't deal with this. But if something is just slightly underperforming, you it just you feel a lot worse about that. Right. Because you don't have counterplay. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you yeah. if you're yeah. Well, so I, I just need to get you to weigh on here. Is it I think something you guys might need to address uh as a whole is that uh I think now with the Cave Dweller Savages and the Follower of Bones, there may be a huge disparity in that the free folk might have the coolest looking units out of any faction <laughs> and uh i feel till the, bad till for the other people i don't know that's a tough this is the bar's been set pretty high here i don't know and I, we haven't seen any thin sculpts but i'm i'm afraid that you know that's going to be three units in a row that are just like so amazing that everyone else is going to just feel bad when they put their units on the table across from me uh but chase i mean that's balanced <laughs> out by the fact that free funk can't win games and what? are in oh, no way and right. in, in no that, way any form a competitive army that was the, the fact that they yeah <laughs> marker up one yeah we had the same the same week when someone was winning the tournament of the you know adepticon it was the this is the worst faction ever thing 
Uh, anyhow, that's a, that's another story, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we look good. We play good. It's, it's good. I do have to say, like, the followers of Bone are some of my favorite sculpts in the game that have come out. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, you guys are killing it. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. And that's out that's out this week. Uh or now that's out now. If the you, your follower bones and uh your ranger trackers, they throw out that vulnerable token. So if you want to try out Gary Luther's list, definitely pick up your extra set now and you don't have to buy another core set, although you probably already have. But that's a that's a thing out now. But man, yeah, so much good stuff for Song of Ice and Fire. And if you just knew the stuff that was coming out, you know, even there, this is gonna be a very exciting year. This is going to be a very uh, exciting next few months and definitely uh, just more cool stuff coming out. Man, it's and- going to blow your mind. Just six, <laughs> six months from now, go back and re-listen to this podcast here. <laughs> and we're, and we're oh, ooh, interesting. We already had confirmed, I think, if we want to speculate on the internet. So there was a question at CMON about will, will there be dragons? And then you answered Hodor. So there is a Hodor mounted on a dragon, if I can understand that correctly. I think that's how we're reading into that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a spoilers <laughs> for the uh, chapter five of. Wings oh Warrior, yeah. By the way, oh. <laughs> Hodor mounts Drogon, and they just go rampaging across the uh, the countryside. And that's just it. That's the end of the, the book. Ends there, and he just you know he wins. Yeah, it was a, it's a real big <laughs> left turn from you know uh, anything that people were expecting. But you know that's that's why George is a master writer. Yep. There we go. Fair enough. All right. Well, awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much uh, for coming on. It's always great to, to hear your insight and your, your diabolical schemes for uh, Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> Keep up the awesome stuff. If you haven't listened to Song Chat, he has, a, uh, you know, always, they're always awesome episodes, but the last one in particular is amazing when he breaks down some of the, the plans and changes as well coming up to a Song of Ice and Fire. So make sure you're plugged into that on Podomatic. All right, but before we head out here, I just want to give a special thank you to Sonny Smith, our Patreon producer. And I also want to say, Congratulations to Jared Barry for his Community Content Creation Month winning of our game mode scenario submission. And he submitted a narrative campaign with a Westeros map that was really cool. So Jared Barry, congratulations. And you've won a Blackwater Bay Kickstarter exclusive gaming map. So we'll be reaching out to you about that. And then also to Carl Black for his Brazier scenery piece submission. And he won the scenery submission contest. And so he's going to receive a Horrors and Inspiration Kickstarter exclusive terrain set. We had a lot of great submissions. Thank you so much. We have a lot of them up on a Song of Ice and Fire CC.com in the fan created content section, which brings us to our final thing before we close out the podcast. Now, we have added a event submission form for community organizers. You get some questions about your event. You link to the website or your Facebook group or, or your event page. And it's going to put it up on the Song of Ice and Fire events tracker. So we'll have one central calendar that events can be placed paced on. And what we'll do is we'll talk at the start of our podcasts about upcoming events, just so people know what's going on in their area and shout out to certain game stores. So make sure you check out a Song of Ice and Fire CC.com and slash events. You know, until next time, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. <laughs>